So we are now recording and Melissa, whenever you want to take us away. Hi, and welcome to On and Off, our podcast covering the on-premise and off-premise beverage alcohol industries. I'm Melissa Dowling, editor of Cheers. And I'm Kyle Swartz, editor of Beverage Dynamics Magazine. Today we're going to be talking about rum, and we have a special guest joining us, our very great colleague, Marina Velez. Marina is the Senior Product Manager, Data and Insights, for the Beverage Information and Insights Group. Yeah, Marina knows all about spirits, beer, and wine data, and she's currently wrapping up the Handbook Advance, which provides a first look at the beverage alcohol consumption trends for 2020. So Marina, we all know that 2020 was a year like no other, thanks to the pandemic, but overall, what are you finding in terms of general alcohol sales or consumption trends for the year? Well, first of all, thank you for having me, guys. Um, so 2020, yeah, what a year. Um, well, what I can say is, you know, people drank. Um, they sure did. They, they, they sure did drink. Um, you know, there's, there's a little bit of a question going back and forth as to whether or not people drank more last year than in previous years. And I think the dynamic has to do more of, you know, the shifting where they weren't drinking on-premise. Um, but they shifted to the off-premise. So um, whether or not people actually had more drinks per se is, is questionable. It was just the, the venue that they had it. Um, but, you know, it was so interesting because, um, you know, when this first started, I actually went into a little bit of a panic when they started shutting everything down. And it was like, oh, my God, you know, what are we going to do for if you, if you run out of rum or, or, or vodka? But it was interesting to see that the off-premise was actually considered essential and remained open throughout the height of the pandemic. So, so that gives you an idea of how, how important this category is in general, um, beverage alcohol. But um, I would say like in the early days, you saw a lot of the pantry loading, um, people buying a lot of the brands that they, they are familiar with and they knew. Um, within specifically spirits, most of the spirit categories um, performed um, really well. Um, particularly prepared cocktails, um, they had significant growth last year, um, as could be expected, since people were at home um, playing the, cock uh, the, the bartender role, if you will. And then straight uh, tequila, rum, brandy and cognac, they all posted um, strong growth. So overall spirits, it's going to be about um, volume growth. And then when I'm talking about growth, I mean consumption, about 4% or so. Um, you know, game changer for last year was cocktails to go, yeah. um, which really helped out, you know, the on-premise and uh, a lot of venues had not just spirits, but they had uh, wine and, and beer as well. So um, currently right now, there's about 30 states that still have that. Um, Iowa and <clears throat> Ohio have made the cocktails to go uh, permanent going mm. forward, even after the pandemic ends. And about 13 states have already filed to extend or make this permanent going forward. Um, I just want to jump in. One of, one of the most fascinating things to see in this coming year is how many of these pandemic uh, laws, uh, such as the cocktails to go, or specifically the cocktails to go, as well as broader alcohol delivery, how many of these laws will stick around after the pandemic subsides really is a big question. Exactly. And, and I think, you know, that there... There's also the big issue of how can we, we save a lot of these venues going yeah. forward, you know, and, and now as they're opening, but you just keep that additional revenue stream. Yeah. 
yeah. which is important. So, Absolutely. Um, you know, that's going to be key. Um, you know, last year, of course, uh, people were drinking through, you know, they had their Zoom cocktail hours and tastings. <laughs> and I think a, bit, a, key, a key point was how brands pivoted. Um, yes. to, still, to still keep those consumers engaged with their brands, even Absolutely. though they may not have been on-premise. On um, and even, even um, organizations, like I sat in on uh, an event, a tasting event um, from the rums of Puerto Rico. So it was very educational and it told us how to use rum in different drinks and, and uh, you know, the different flavors out there. So it was very educational from a consumer standpoint. Digital consumer education was another one of those large trends from this past year that I, I also do not think are, are going to go away. Obviously, we're going to have in-store tastings again. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we're going to have festivals again. Obviously, we're going to have all of these um, on-premise things again. But I think people have gotten used to learning about alcohol from their computer, uh, from yep. Zoom and from all these uh, YouTube videos and Facebook Live, Instagram Live, Instagram Yep. Um, profiles. I don't see any of that going away. Uh, but before yeah. we get too off track, you know, you brought up rum and we do want to get back to rum here. Uh, you know, rum, rum is, uh, it's, it's supposed to be the next big thing, you know, for like the last five years, everybody keeps saying, here comes the big rum breakout. Uh, but sadly, uh, despite being such a phenomenal spirit with such a broad depth of flavor and background and different countries, aging techniques, there's so much innovation and creativity going on in rum. And yet it seems to be losing share. Uh, is there any indication that this trend will be reversing uh, and when? Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, you're right that it has been losing share. And, and I think a part of that is because a lot of the other brands, uh, a lot of the other categories, I should say, they, they've been growing a lot more in the last couple of years as well. So, um, you know, and then there's competition outside of even the spirit categories like seltzers. But um the rate at which rum had been um, decelerating in the last couple of years was actually, you know, the loss, we were, see, we were beginning to see the trend where it was actually decelerating less. Mm. So um, in 2020, we were going to be projecting that it actually uh, was up. So that, that's a good sign. Fantastic. Um, and I think a part of, of the reason why you're seeing those losses be less is because, you know, there's been a lot more focus particularly uh, on the um, on-premise side to just educate consumers. You know, mix the mixology movement has been playing a key role in educating consumers as to, you know, what uh, the various types of runs and, and the backstories and um, all the innovation. So that's been really resonating, especially with a lot of the younger consumers. Now, obviously 2020, you didn't have that on-premise Per se, but I mean, you know, prior to that, and you know, after all this is is done, I would uh, expect that to go back to the way it was. So I feel like um, coming out of 2020, we're we're on a good track, and let's see how we can, you know, the rum category can maintain that momentum. Well, I think that when most consumers think of rum, they think of white rum, uh, you know, kind of. The, a lot of the mass marketed white rums, whereas um, with all the interest in brown spirits, um, bourbon and aged things, you know, you would think that that would drive more interest in the rum category as a whole. Um, are you, does the data reflect the growth in some of these like aged rums and premium rum brands? Um, it does, definitely. The, the premiumization trend has been you know, the rum category has been kind of like the last 
of the categories to kind of um, for you to be seeing that, but we're seeing more of that now. Um, and again, a lot of it has to do with the education part on, on you know, the, the on-premise of, uh, you know, letting consumers know here's all, you know, here's the different types of brands and, and here's how they're different. The brands themselves, we've been seeing them expand with different um, offerings, for example, it comes to mind like um, Bacardi added back in 2018, 2019, um, their uh, Añejo Cuatro, the Reserva Ocho, Grand Reserva. So they're all meant products meant to go highlight that premiumization trend. So, um, you know, they're meant to be uh, for sipping. And I think when the on-premise is open, you have a lot of the uh, rum flighting events um, and again, that's where you're going to see consumers being exposed to, you know, offerings that they had not been familiar with in the past. Absolutely. So you do see that, you know, you do see that in the data. And again, once consumers know, and especially if they're educated on on-premise, then it gives them, okay, I'm going to go to the retail store. Wait a minute. You know, I remember I tasted this brand in, in my local, you know, restaurant let me see if i can find it in the in the liquor store and, and bring it home so that's you know where that will continue absolutely what are some of the rum brands you mentioned bacardi always doing well of course and their launches in the premiumization space uh, have all been phenomenal mm -hmm. uh, really really strong uh, new products coming out of bacardi what are some of the other brands that uh, stick out right now and i will say we did recently uh, write our uh, 2021 uh, growth brands awards which recognized the top selling and fastest growing brands. And that included a number of rum brands, including of course, Bacardi, Don Julio, Captain Morgan, Malibu, Rum Chada, and some craftier brands like Admiral Nelson and Blue Chair Bay. Uh, Marina, what, what are some of the brands that are sticking out to you? Yeah, another one too, and again, um, you had mentioned the experiment, um, innovation and experimenting with different um, uh, create, creative, um, techniques. So Don Q um, comes to mind because they've experimented with their double cast, um, uh, double aged rum. So um, it, it's almost, you know, it's rums, for example, they're aged in traditional whiskey barrels, but then, you know, they're finished in a, um, a cherry or port um, or even, you know, in the case of Don Q, it's almost um, a cast that had Ita Italian sweet vermouth in it. So mm. this is a trend that has been growing in popularity, um, you know, particularly, you know, within bourbon and, and cognacs. And so now you're seeing that come through um, on the rum side as well, the premium rum side. So I think brands that are able to capitalize on that kind of innovation um, are going to gain the interest of consumers. So it is definitely, it has been an on-premise category, you know, with all the well-known and fancy rum cocktails. You know, the mojito has been trending for a long time now. Um, the daiquiri, uh, I think I say it wrong, the daiquiri is the classic. Um, you know, the, in the on-premise industry, folks will use the, the daiquiri as a test of, of a bartender because it's so simple, um, but so easy to screw up. So mm -hmm. why is it so hard to get a good basic daiquiri? 
Um, <laughs> sorry, I don't really expect you to know the answer, but go but, on. <laughs> why, tell us, Marina, what's, what's wrong with all these bars? I don't know. You know, it's so funny because um, it is a sore subject for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think anybody that knows me, I mean, I love daiquiri. You um, do. But not, you know, it's funny that the big problem I have when I order that is people assume it is the frozen daiquiri. Yes. And so a lot of places. Strawberry or. Yeah, exactly. So I can't tell you how many times I've, I've gotten that. Um, or they'll tell me, no, we don't have it because they don't have, you know, the frozen piece or whatever. And I have to explain to them what it is. And um, that's usually where the server's head blows up at that point. <laughs> the only thing I could surmise is that maybe we've gotten a lot, a lot of the on-premise menus have gotten they have their signature drinks so people the servers are are trained on these signature drinks and so a daiquiri is not necessarily on a lot of menus and so it's almost forgotten so it's almost like you know maybe bartending 101 but it, you know it it trips people up and and i you know i i've had people say well what's in it or how do you make it um, which, you know, quite frankly, could be very easily looked up, you know, behind the bar. You know? <laughs> so, but, you know, it, it, it's, it's almost like I am asking for like, like the Hope Diamond. For the, <laughs> um, and, and I don't quite understand outside of the fact that maybe people are just stuck on whatever's on the menu. And then once you start deviating from that, then that's where, you know, it, it confuses some servers. Well, I will say they're in a tough spot as well because they don't really know what you want. It's like, do you want the real deal or are you expecting the froofy frozen well, one? So it's, it is kind of hard for them too. Well, I have to say, so I've reformed. So now when I do ask for the daiquiri, I say it's not the frozen one. It is the classic one, the original one. Now when I say original, that's tripped people up as well. So, like, uh, Oh, that's lime flavor. <laughs> Or, yeah, so, so I, I, I make sure I say it's not the frozen one before they even tell me. Um, and then, you know, I say the basic daiquiri or original, it depends on who it is, it still might trip them up. Um, I, I have to say, if I do this in New York, it's not, um, it, it's not a, as much of a problem. Wow, Manhattan is the center yeah. of the cocktail world in America. I can't yeah. say I'm entirely shocked about that. And speaking of other cocktails, and as our listeners can probably guess Marina is a connoisseur of rum cocktails. What are some of the other rum cocktails you enjoy? Um, I would say the mojito would, you know, is, is probably my top one followed by daiquiri. Um, the old Cuban, for sure. Um, I love that. Um, those, you know, those, those are like my, my, my go-tos, if you will. So if you recall, when we were working on the, the Cheers on-premise handbook, um, one of the Mintel survey, <coughs> surveys that we used was saying consumers were interested in tiki drinks, you know, when, when they start going back out. Um, and I'm definitely seeing more people talking about tiki drinks and predicting the same. Um, you know, what, do you have any insight as to what's driving tiki now you know i th th there's a thought that i would say you know again 
um, as you, you commented, when people start going back out, um, like one of the things we saw is that the people were, were gravitating towards what's familiar um, and what they know. And I feel like tiki has been around for a while. Tiki drinks have been a while, around for a while. And as they start going out, I, I'm thinking like, and I know I, I would look at it this way, you know, there's this sense of wanting to be outside um, especially until, you know, a lot of the population gets, um, gets, um, the vaccine and, and, and just the, the tiki drinks are so fun, right? They're fun to look at. They're, they're very diverse in, in what they have. And, and it just, it brings such like a, an islandy fun vibe. And I feel like so many people are craving that it's, it's just, you know, if, if you can offer that, it, it's something that, that maybe it's what's needed right now, so to speak. And yeah, yeah. Um, I also, I do want to give a little plug to the current Cheers cover, which has a Mai Tai, uh, a photo of a Mai Tai from a, an operator in, based in Hawaii. But it's got a honey passion fruit foam piped on the top of it like mm. a whipped cream it is the most gorgeous drink you've ever yeah. seen it sounds so amazing yeah and and i think that visually just like i said it just conjures up this this fun islandy vibe and 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 people can resonate with that you know and after the year that we've had cooped up and you know especially if you were making drinks at home the tiki drink may not be something that you were making at home you know, so now all of a sudden you're like, wow, look at this, you know, let me, let me try this. this. You know, even if you're just sitting there and you see it go by and you're like, oh, can I have one of those? Yeah. Lots of me too orders with Tiki. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I don't, we can't end without talking about Marina's signature drink that she actually makes every year called the Coquito. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the history and how you came up with your signature recipe? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so um, the coquito is, is, is prevalent around Christmas time um, in, in Puerto Rico and, you know, here in the United States, um, you, know, you know, amongst uh, a lot of us um, from the island. So um, it's, it's rum based um every family has their own recipe and so that's the unique piece of it that you know you can go to four or five different homes and everybody has a different it, their coquito will be tasting differently so i basically took um you know i started with a recipe from my family who was living in miami at the time and then i i, I made it my own and i think that's how you know everybody does it so um i and this was actually before I even got involved in um, beverage alcohol. So um, most of what's in my drink is like, I would say there's about three, four different types of rums. And, um, and then I, I make two versions of it. For some people, I will add in um, the 151 rum. And then I'll float a little bit of the 151 on top of that when it's served. And then for, for others... Who want the lower octane? I don't put in the 151. <laughs> um, but I also, so my family would also um, integrate um, other types of 
of liquors in there. Um, they would have like brandy in there. And so I um, made it with, I started making it with cognac. So there's cognac. Um, and then, you know, you just batch that up and uh, you let it sit for, you know, a couple hours and it gets nice and strong. And that's the, um, the drink that we typically have around the holidays. It is boozy and delicious. Very, yeah. very yummy cocktail that Marina, thank you, is always for making for us uh, every holiday season. I always look forward to trying it. <laughs> now, there are some commercial versions that have just come out fairly recently. Um, now, Bacardi did one, and, and they are they're pretty good. I mean, don't be offended, but uh, <laughs> I'll do in a pinch. Um, and they... They're seasonal because it's a holiday drink, but I, and I've said this to Marina before, I think it would be an amazing summer drink, you know, done frozen like a pina colada. Uh, so that's, that's what I want to do. I might even try my hand at, at making it in the summer. Yeah, I, it's funny because I know you mentioned this. You, I think you had asked me, why is it only in the holidays? And I actually, I don't have an answer for that other than, you know, I, I've, I, I would, I would have to go back to probably somebody on the island and um, like an elder and see if they have a uh, rationale for it. Only, the only thing I can think of me personally is just the amount of time and, and effort like in my recipe. Some people will just have rum and then the coconut composure, components and then that's it. You know, for me, it's going to take some time to do. So it's not something that you would whip up on, on a Friday night, you know, for a Friday evening, <laughs> you know, to drink per se. So... Um, but I think you're right. If, if, you know, the commercial ones do, um, you know, fulfill that need, if you will, in a pinch. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think it's also, you know, just for holiday, cause judging by yours, it is super, super boozy, like mm -hmm. Kyle said, and <laughs> you just, you maybe don't want that in the hot sun. Mm. Right. Yeah. And I think it's just, it's probably like, you know, a lot of other people have cookies that they only make in, in the holidays and you have to wait 12 months for it, you know? So I, I think that has a lot to do with it. Yeah. But, you know, like I said, you could probably make a, a toned down version of it in the summertime um, mm. as well. So, you know, um, look, you know, it's traditions can be started. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start one then. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Melissa wants coquito in july <laughs> all right well i think that's all the time we have for today thank you marina for joining us and the handbook advance will be coming out in april in april imminently and uh thanks again to all of you for listening to another episode of on and off be sure to join us next time when we're going to be talking about safe alcohol practices with steve schmidt of nabca until then cheers Cheers. Cheers. All right. Very good. Very good. I'm going to stop recording.